Adam's Archive. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Adam's Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. On today's episode, we are going to discuss some pretty crazy current events, starting with the North American Grappling Association, also known as NAGA, which is a very well-known jiu-jitsu competitive platform for people like myself, who basically are... Uh, what they're under fire for was the fact that there was a woman, not a woman, a man pretending to be a woman wearing woman face who went and competed against actual women in a grappling competition, a, a martial arts, a, uh, you know, a literal fight and won, obviously, because it's a man, spoiler alert, <laughs> Uh, so I can actually speak to that. I'm a purple belt in jiu-jitsu myself. I've been practicing since 2012. So we will get into that and why it's so crazy. But positive note, silver lining here is that Naga came out and made a statement saying this will never happen again. And they outlined the reasons why and how they're going to ensure that that happens. So I am proud of you, Naga. Thank you so much for making it so that I don't have to go compete at other organizations and boycott your shit because I would have. Now, the next thing that we're going to talk about is not too often that two of the things I'm most able to speak to come together and intersect into this platform. Like usually the things I'm talking about, yeah, I've done a lot of research on them and I, and I try to give my most non-biased opinion on them. But when it comes to, to two of these things like jujitsu and hockey, I actually have much more of an expert opinion than most people. So uh, hockey, there was a situation that happened in the European Hockey League, which was a horrific incident. Now, this guy, um, Adam Johnson, I believe it was, basically was skating across the ice, had a guy um, who basically ran into another guy, clipped his leg, his leg went up and sliced his neck, and he ended up dying, which is horrific. It's terrible. Um, it, it's, it's horrific to see. Uh, so we'll get into that and why there's a lot of people, like a lot of large conservative influencers coming out, acting like they're experts in hockey now, who are saying like some horrific things about the guy who did this, saying that he did that on purpose, that it was murder and this and that. And so we'll talk about that because I don't think that was the case. I watched the footage again, but played hockey for 18 years, um, very high level hockey. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of that background, but we'll jump into that after that we will get into the next current event, which is about Matthew Perry from Friends Dying, which is, again, terrible. I'm not trying to start your day off like this. If you're listening to this in the morning, I'll put some positive spins on it for you. Sprinkle some, uh, some, I don't know, some, 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 some positivity into your day throughout this conversation. But Matthew Perry was found dead in his hot tub. Horrible, tragic accident. But there's some weird little conspiracy things that people have pointed out about this that we will talk about as well. Now, obviously, respect the guy's death and all of that, but there's some shady shit, and we'll get into it. After that, we're going to jump back into the Israel and Palestine conflict with some stuff coming out of there, including a conversation by Netanyahu where he says, this is everybody's war. This isn't just my war. This is all of you. Because if you don't stop this now and give me your tax money, it's going to come to your doorstep tomorrow. 
So we'll look at that as well as his son skating the essential kind of the draft that's going on over there where they called all these reservists. Um, we'll also discuss the UN General Assembly asking for a Gaza resolution calling for an immediate and sustained humanitarian truce in which there was only 14 countries who denied it out of almost 140, 120 who agreed with it and 45 who abstained. But guess who was in those 14 countries? Hmm. The United States of America. So we'll look at why that might have been. And then we'll talk about the information blackout, the cutting off of the internet in Gaza and why that might be, as well as Mr. Elon Musk coming in with Starlink to save the day and Israel saying there might blow up his satellites or some shit like that. So all of that more. But first, I need you to hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. If this is your first time here today, I appreciate you. You were awesome. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I love doing this for you. Every single week we have conversations like this, sometimes multiple times a week, depending on my schedule. And uh, I give you my takes on everything that's going on throughout the world whether it be politics, religion, history, conspiracies, philosophy, life, all that shit. So make sure you subscribe, stick with me here, leave a five-star review if you've been here with me. It's about the only thing that you can do in your day today to get some good karma. So leave that five-star review. Again, I would appreciate it. You're my buddy. You're my pal hanging out with me here every single week. So do something for me. It takes five seconds. Hit that five-star review, whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever obscure-ass podcast software you're listening to this on, go ahead and leave a five-star review. And then write something nice. I don't care what it is. Tell me your favorite recipe for Thanksgiving. Who cares? Just write something nice. All right. And without further ado, let's jump into it. The Adams Archive. All right, let's jump into it on the very first article that we're going to talk about today is going to be that the North American Grappling Association had a transgender man, woman, man, man, woman, who a man who thought they were a woman who competed in the women's bracket in jujitsu. Now, this is horrible. Out of all the sports that we've talked about, whether it be Leah Thomas with swimming or the the dudes that were dominating women's sprints to, I don't know, all of the crazy things that were going on, even chess tournaments, like guys were getting in and just dominating women. It was like the number, insert crazy, ridiculously high-ranked person here. And then they went into chess and just obliterated women in chess. It's like, just let the women do their thing, dude. What's wrong with you? Anyways. This is probably one of the worst of them outside of MMA, right? There was a guy who was sitting there gloating on social media. Like, I need to pull up the posts of this because this guy went in as a biological man. 
dominated these women. I would actually really be interested to see some of the footage because it would have been just amazing if one of these women almost had was able to. Because there's some, uh, like I said. So let me give you my background. I've I've practiced jujitsu since 2012. When I was in the military, there was a sergeant who posted a poster on the wall. And it was a competition that was happening on base at my air traffic control uh, tech training that I was doing in the Air Force. And so when I saw that, I was like super interested at the time. I had watched, you know, I watched a little bit of Joe Rogan and was really interested in Eddie Bravo and watched some jujitsu at the time, liked the MMA culture, wrestled a little bit in high school, but like wasn't super good or anything, gotten a lot of fights in hockey. And so I thought I was tough. And so I went to this jujitsu competition with a couple of my friends that was uh, at the base gym in like a back room where they had all these mats laid out. And I go up to the guy who was Staff Sergeant Hawk, shout out to Staff Sergeant Hawk. And he's like, uh, you know, I was pretty good shape at the time. I, I was lifting a lot. All I had to do was lift and eat outside of tech training. And so I went up to Sergeant Hawk to sign up and he's like, hey man, how you doing? And shook my hand, he's a super nice guy, loves Staff Sergeant Hawk. And um, he basically like looked me up and down and was like, so you have any training? You ever done any wrestling, anything like that? And I told him I did a little bit in high school, maybe two or three years. I wasn't really good or anything, but you know, so he ended up putting me in the advanced bracket. There was a beginner's bracket and an advanced bracket and maybe there was six, seven guys in each bracket. And just because I have watched some jujitsu YouTube footage and knew a little bit about every Eddie Bravo and did a little bit of wrestling, I ended up actually winning the advanced bracket that I had no business being in. <laughs> uh, but really, to be fair, in 2012, like nobody really knew about jujitsu. So um, I ended up winning the bracket, won the tournament, got my very first gi from that tournament. And from then on, I started training uh, under Staff Sergeant Hawk and out of Dixon's Dungeon, which was under John Dixon in Biloxi, Mississippi, who was fought in the very first Pride fights. I actually used to run like a mile and a half, two miles every single day from base to Dixon's Dungeon right outside of Biloxi, Mississippi. And so... I know a little bit about jujitsu. I still currently train. I did a tournament, uh, a competition like three months ago, and uh, it wasn't a Naga tournament. It was a grappling industries tournament, um, but I'm active. I train several times a week. I compete. Jujitsu is like, that's my hobby. That's what I do. That's my thing. So I know a little bit about this shit, right? So when it comes to like a man doing jujitsu with a woman, there there's a certain level of like, respect that you go into and, and, and being, you know, in any gym, you're going to roll with women decently consistently. Right. And, and there, there's such an obvious disparity in strength. Now that's not to say that there's not some women out there that will just kick the shit out of most men. And by most men, I even mean men who train jujitsu. Like there's a, there's real high level jujitsu black belt females who will just fuck up a guy even if they train consistently like i've gone with some girls who are just like you know would, would definitely like black belt females um that are high level competitors will definitely i've definitely gone with some women who could like very likely beat me in jujitsu <laughs> like, maybe not like you know a hundred percent but like there's this is nothing against women's jujitsu there's some bad ass females out there right now who would just trash me <laughs> um so when we talk about this it's like 
the way the jujitsu tournaments work is there's, you know, there's, especially if you're talking no gi, which is what this would look like. There's like gi, which is where you wear the kimono kind of looking thing. And then there's no gi. No gi is where you kind of just wear shorts and a t-shirt. It looks a lot more like wrestling, that kind of deal. So it's just straight grappling. This was no gi. And so when you talk about no gi, usually it's not specifically belt based where there's like white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, black belt. In no gi, it's beginner bracket, intermediate bracket, and advanced. And beginner is like you've been doing it for one to two years. Intermediate is you've been doing it for like two to five years, six years, seven years. And advanced bracket is like you're a black belt or a brown belt. Um, so I'm somewhere in between there. I'm in the intermediate bracket. As a purple belt, you know, like I said, I started training in 2012, fell off for a little bit, started training back about five, six years ago, been training consistently ever since. Um, but when we're talking about male against female, there's such a, it, it's astounding how much of a difference when it comes to size, strength, um, agility, like, and, and there's a reason that there's brackets, right? Like for a, a trans, and, and, and so, in the area that I live in, there's several prominent gyms. One of the prominent gyms that I don't train at, there is a there is a transgender uh, man, woman, guy who, uh, male who, is identifying as a woman, who is just the biggest, most jacked person you've ever seen in your life, and that individual, like all respect to them competes i'm pretty sure in the male bracket because it would just be so unbelievably unfair they're just just jacked like so this this situation to me is just such so indicative of where we are as a culture that this even was able to slip in under the radar now naga came out because there was such an immense amount of pushback as a result of this naga came out and made a statement and here is that statement that I'm going to pull up for you. Just give me one second while I do. And Naga said, let's see if I can drag this over to my screen here. All right. So Naga's statement around this was, I am Kip Kohler president of Naga, and I would like to address the controversial issue of transgender athletes competing in Naga events. Decisions that involve conflicting rights and needs between different groups are inherently difficult. That said, maintaining fairness for female athletes in our paramount, is our paramount priority due to the legacy effects of being born male through puberty in parallel with the policy of FINA the world governing body for swimming, world rugby, and numerous other global sports organizations, male to female transgender athletes who have gone through male puberty are excluded from competing in the female division at Naga events. This position is, of course, even more important given the heightened potential for injury when grappling. All right, now let me read the rest of that for you that I'll pull up from my phone here so we don't have to mess with this. And it says, because I reposted this on my story and Naga actually liked it. Um, so again, shout out to Naga. It says, implementing this policy poses challenges. The registration system used by most grappling events, including Naga, Smooth Comp, 
uh, unfortunately only allows users to, users to choose between male and female genders when registering. It does not provide an option to register as transgender. Ideally, there should be an option in the registration process to declare yourself as transgender. transgender. We have requested that this change be made in short order. We are, we are adding additional text to the event and rules page of our website, which I'll show you in a second here because they've already done so, and our smooth comp event pages to help inform transgender females which division they need to enter. We feel these additional steps will help to make sure all competitors are in their correct division. If a competitor is discovered to be in an incorrect division, they will be contacted and provided with the option to move to the correct division or receive a refund. Just as we do if there we were notified that a D1 wrestler was in the beginner division. <laughs> yeah, because that D1 register, uh, D1 athlete uh, wrestler would just smash every single white belt in the division. <laughs> now this says, moving forward, we will be guided by the science around male advantage and physical performance. Good on them for using the word science. Which will inevitably develop the coming over the coming years. As further evidence becomes available, we will review our position. But we believe the integrity of the female category in athletics is one of the most is, is the mo of the most profound importance. Thank you, Kip Kohler, President, North American Grappling Association. Good on Naga for making sure that women don't just get absolutely destroyed. Now, like when we're talking about sports, when we're talking about swimming, it doesn't, it's not a matter of life and death, right? Everybody wants to look at jujitsu. Like there's all the, there's this category of people with jujitsu is like, oh, it's not a fight. It's not a fight. It's a fight. Like this is not, this is not a regular sport because if there is not a ref intervening when somebody is choking you unconscious and you're tapping and they decide to just keep that choke, what happens? You die. That you go to sleep and you don't wake up. What happens when there's no ref to intervene when you are in an arm bar and somebody's ripping your limb apart and they shatter your arm or your knee or your shoulder? Like, it is absolutely a fight. Like, when we talk about hockey, yes, it's a sport. The end result of hockey is a goal, right? Is a winning position within the overall game. It's a game. It's a sport. When we talk about football, the overall win is based on a scoreboard, right? But when if there is not a ref to intervene, especially when you talk about, like, no-gi submission-only grappling, the only outcome, if there is no ref, is essentially death. So it's absolutely a fight, Right. Like there's no there's no logical argument to me that jujitsu is not fighting. Sure, it's fighting without punches, just as much as boxing is fighting without submissions. Right. There's only one then, then there's only one category that you can call fighting and it's MMA. And even at that case, you can't bite each other. You can't hit them in the balls. You can't do all this. You can't even go from a six to 12 elbow strike. So it's like, oh, is that not a fight now either? It's, it's such a silly argument. So anyways, I digress. The idea is that when you go into a fight, it is absolutely unfair for a man to fight a woman based on biology. We all know that by now, right? When we go, even like even in sports like swimming and running, we've decided that it's unfair. So when you talk about a actual combat sport where the there is actual consequences where you are going to be choked unconscious or have your knee ripped apart or your shoulder or your arms or your like 
ankle. Like there's so much that can go wrong here. There's a reason there's weight categories. There's a reason there's male and female categories. There's a reason there's belt categories. You have to maintain the safety of this. And to not do so is absolutely like, it would be horrific to not make this an egregious act that is completely condemned by Naga. It would set such a precedence in the grappling world. And and so I am so happy that Naga spoke out about this. You know you'd never see this in like the larger organizations like ADCC or WNO or like who's number one or anything on flow grappling that you would see. So to know that there's 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 barely there's only a few safe communities <laughs> and it happens to be like the martial arts community is absolutely one of those communities that would just never let this happen so good on naga happy to be a part of a industry a sport a hobby a a passion that would not allow women to just get absolutely trampled by men because they feel a little demasculated today. All right, so there's that. Pretty crazy. Glad Naga spoke out about it. Next up is going to be that... So so there was a situation. It was a guy named Adam Johnson who recently passed away just over the weekend. Now, he was a 29-year-old hockey player for the Nottingham Panthers. He originally played in the NHL, um, I've actually been familiar with his name, and I, you know, I was looking at his um, uh, prospect. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's like hockey prospects. It's where you can look up a lot of guys who played where you know, like growing up. So let's let's talk just talk a, real quickly about my background with hockey. So I grew up playing hockey since I was three years old. I am in an area, a state that is a very prominent hockey state. I played at a very high level up until I was. 18 years old, right before I went in the military. Um, I went to play uh, a in a juniors league. And the day before I was flying out to uh, a team in Texas, uh, I shattered or d- destroyed my ACL on a stupid little uh, basketball game. <laughs> so um, retore my ACL and, or in meniscus the day before I was supposed to fly to Texas to go to the main camp for the team that I was going to play for. Um, so Again, I played AAA hockey in Michigan. Um, all you know, growing up, played since I was three years old. Have a very long-standing background playing hockey. Three, five, six, seven times a week, I was out playing hockey, whether it was at the rink, whether it was behind my house on the canal um, during the winter in Michigan. Grew up from the time that I was little. The only thing I ever wanted to do was play in the NHL. All right, and I was. Pretty fucking good. All right. I played for a very, very well-known AAA team here in Michigan. You know, one of the best teams in in the world. Um, I'm well-versed. I'm way better at hockey than I was at jujitsu <laughs> starting off. So if that tells you anything, right, even especially if you wanted to like list out the, the priority of people in the world. Um, so my opinion on hockey actually has some merit. Right now, we had all of these conservative influencers, whether it was DC Drano, whether it was uh, the the um, TikToks of or liberals of TikTok, whether it was end wokeness, whether it was uh, Robert Starbucks or whatever his name is, all of these conservative influencers seem to have a very vehement 
very serious opinion about this situation that happened in the ECHL, which is the European Hockey League. And so this guy, Adam Johnson, again, played in the NHL, played for the Pittsburgh Penguins for, for some time in the EIHL. I'm sorry, not the ECHL, the EIHL for the Nottingham Panthers. And let's read this article. It says, Adam Johnson, a 29-year-old hockey player for the Nottingham Panthers, died in a tragic freak accident on the ice rink while playing against the Sheffield Steelers on Saturday in the UK. Johnson, who played for the NHL's Pittsburgh Penguins before transferring to the Elite Ice Hockey League in August, suffering it, suffered a fatal neck injury when he collided with a player from the opposing team midway through the second period. The BBC reports that the injury was reportedly caused by a split or a skate blade to the neck. Now, one thing I'd like to point out about this is that the, the people who were posting this, whether it was uh, the TikToks or liber liberals of TikTok or whether it was um, DC underscore Drano, just were so tone deaf to the situation. Where it was so disgusting and so gross the way that DC underscore Drano and liberals of TikTok posted about this guy dying. Like they literally slapped the video, DC Drano did, slapped the video at the very beginning of his uh, his reels or his his post and like it was like oh graphic warning it's like yeah dude don't post the guy fucking bleeding out on the ice spilling blood all over the the ice if you respect them you don't respect them this dude was just looking for clicks it was gross it was disgusting the way that dc drano went about this post so they go on there and 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 there's here's the video here and I'll I'll I I don't even like watching this shit personally like it doesn't I just don't um but to me you know I'll break it down for you I'm not going to go very much past it where you you literally see him like holding his neck as blood is just pouring out of it onto the white ice I, I it's just not my thing dude like I'll watch the beginning of it with you and break it down for you so on the boards was picked off by Dumoulin off Aston. Nope, that wasn't that. So they're probably not even going to show it on this post here, but DC Drano did. And so I'll, I'll kind of walk you through it as I, I pull it up on my phone. And so DC Drano posted this along with like six or seven other posts that were related to this from other conservative type of influencers. So the guy goes across the ice there's a, a two-on-two going down past the, the red line, right past the blue line. And right as he goes down the ice, uh, the one guy clips legs with one of the other players that are next to him as he goes to to hit him. So there's um, he misses the, the like close to the first guy. I'm sorry, I keep kind of messing this up here as I'm watching it. Um, so two guys going on a two-on-two. The first guy crosses, starting to cross at the, the blue line, and a defenseman goes over and crosses paths with one guy to hit the guy with the puck right as they cross the blue line, which was looked to me like offsides to begin with. Not sure why that wasn't offsides, and the ref calls it off. But the, the defenseman, the offside defenseman, um, crosses right across the blue line past the guy that he's next to on the two-on-two, and let me see if I can, I'm going to actually even just like record this and watch it. Let's see if I can break it down at a little bit of a slower pace. Okay. 
So I just recorded it. I'm going to pull it over and watch it from there because then I can go frame by frame. So two on two, two guys in red. They just cross over the red line. Not sure why that wasn't offsides because the guy in white in front of the guy with the puck crosses over the blue line. It looks like before him. Um, he goes to try and uh, like skate down the blue line as the defenseman comes over and crosses. And he runs what looks like into... Let me see if I can zoom in. He actually doesn't make much contact with him. But cross pass with him. Connects with the first forward. There's not a ton of contact, but the guy's leg comes straight up. And gets the forward right in the neck. And when he does this, the guy goes straight to the ice, grabs his neck, and that's where I'm going to stop it. So all of these conservative influencers making these claims that this was intentional, that it was murder, that it was manslaughter, that it was whatever. You have to understand how fast a hockey game is actually going. Right, So when D.C. Drano gets on here and he says, Adam Johnson was an NHL player who was killed while playing in England at the age of 29. Another player's blade hit his neck, slicing an artery. Media called the incident a freak accident, but replays show Matt Peckrave intentionally kicking him. So I just cannot see an angle here. right? And I don't think there was a ton of contact like... Originally, when I looked at this, it was pretty far away. So when I break it down and go slower and, and zoom in on that, there's not a ton of contact. Even despite that, I just don't see any single scenario. If you're a player, he could have easily hip checked him. He could have easily just laid his hips out and stopped him like that. He's not going to fucking karate kick him in the throat with his skate. Like, I wish I could show you guys what I'm looking at here. And maybe, let me see if I can send this. But anyways, there, there's just no way this was an intentional kick to the throat. I just don't see it. There's not nearly as much contact as I would have thought there was originally. And I'm going back and forth watching this kick. I just don't see it. I, I don't see how any situation. Would have caused this to be intentional. So what you're seeing is a bunch of people who don't play hockey, who don't understand how fast the game moves, who don't realize that these split microsecond decisions are the difference between your leg being three inches lower or three inches higher or you clipping this guy's hip it ends up with your it's just the game moves so fast it's the fastest game there is there's no other sport that moves faster than hockey so you get all these people who don't know how the actual sport works or or even understand the logistics of the game coming out saying that this is murder Right, coming out saying that this is manslaughter. And it's it to me, frankly, that wasn't even the grossest part. The grossest part was you have all these people and when you look at like the li libs of TikTok post on this, 
And now this I, I will share because this was just like the most egregious thing was Libs of TikTok posted this, uh, this meme that they created that said, where is it? They must have taken it down. They must have taken it down. Yeah, libs of TikTok took that post down because it was so disgusting. They posted the meme of of Petgrave with his leg up saying that what was it, it was something around along the lines of like um that kick wasn't dirty, the kick and then it had him with his leg straight out and his blade sticking straight up. So they actually deleted it because it was so disgusting. Now, I posted on that and said, just talked about my experience in hockey and said that, like, this is just disgusting how, you know, it's absolutely not intentional. And, like, let's see if that one even went away. Yeah, wow. Dang, who'd have thought that Libs of TikTok would, would have taken that down? Because they realized how disgusting they were for posting that gross meme about this dude who just got his throat slit that you saw bleed out in front of the world on the ice. And you're posting a meme with his leg up saying, the kick. Like, oh, really? Is that, is that, that's entertainment to you? That's what the people that you, your, your target audience want to see? Wow. At least they took it. At least they had the decency to take it down. Because that to me was probably the most disgusting was. One was, you know, DC Drano actually posting it was disgusting, but them actually, actually, uh, you know, having a silly, gross meme about it was probably the worst thing. So I don't think it was intentional. I think things happen at a very, very quick pace in hockey. I think that there, there's a hundred different reasons that that happened, none of which had to do with premeditated or purposeful manslaughter, okay? And anybody who tells you differently just doesn't understand the sport of hockey, has never touched ice, never played to the high level, never never found themselves crossing the ice to try and hit some guy crossing the blue line at that pace. Like, you just, you just don't get it. Um, so, I digress. Let's move on. That to me was very disgusting. And the more that like I'm finding myself distancing myself more and more from like as we get post COVID, the straight, strict conservative influencers, because the things that they keep doing, whether it's about Israel versus Palestine, whether it's about um, this here that we're seeing, like I'm just starting to see some of the clickbait some of the grossness that is coming out of like the strict traditional conservative movement that I just don't, it just does not vibe with me. And so honestly, I've always said that I've always said, I'm not just your average, you know, person leaning left or leaning right. I have my own opinions about basically everything. It just so happened that a lot of it aligned with a certain side at a certain point. And as we get further and further from COVID, as we get further and further from lockdowns, as we get further and further from even Ukraine and Russia, and we see what the the, the war machine beating the drum is all the conservatives are calling for war against uh, Palestine and Hamas and calling for US troops to go intervene there. It's like, Nah, not me. So let's move on here. 
There was a conspiracy that came out. So Matthew Perry, the Friends star uh, Chandler, passed away suddenly and horrifically. And so what you saw about that was that basically he died in his hot tub. They said there was no, he had been pretty well known for recently over the past few years of having some type of like drug addiction. Um, and so there was, there was questions around that. And the police came out and said, no, 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 there was no drugs found on the scene. There was no foul play reported, all of that. Now what we're seeing here, and again, my con my condolences to his family, my condolences to everybody that knew him. It's it's a horrific, public, tragic incident, just as the last one that we talked about. But in this case, there's actually some more deeper questions to be had. So there was something very strange about Math, Matthew, Matthew Perry's death. The first one being that for a very long time, he hasn't been posting on social media. So I'm going to pull up his social media here so I can kind of walk you through the timeline of events. But on his social media, he had been posting until seven days ago, very, very little. Now, seven days ago, he started posting a post a day, essentially seven posts within just a few days. And every single one of these posts had a strange thing about them being the Batman symbol. Now, when you think of the Batman symbol, when you look in the sky and you see the Batman symbol or you go watch the movies and you see it being displayed, what do you what do you think when you see the Batman symbol? Hmm. Well, normally when you see the Batman symbol, you when you see the Batman symbol, you normally think it's a sign of distress. So when Matthew Perry essentially posts the Batman symbol, seven times over seven days, it starts to raise some questions for people. Right now, in one of his last posts in an eerie uh, is an eerie hand drop uh, dropping some of what seems to be cranberries on the table with the caption saying, this is what I've had to eat today. I'm Matt Man. And it also says that it's worth worth mentioning that the lead of the group of the cranberries died by drowning. That's a weird one. So let's see here. Hmm. I don't know if I see that post within what he's talking about. Here is me. Yeah, this is some super weird, obscure posts. It's also noted that the very last chapter of his book was called Batman. So maybe he just has some weird obsession with Batman. Maybe, you know, maybe he was cast in the next Batman. Maybe that's it. But to make things more interesting, his third to last post has again the Batman symbol with the caption saying, do you know what I mean? Okay, so let's let's like look at this full timeline. April was the last time he posts before the most more consistent posts. The one after that is October 11th, where he said, why can Elon Musk send a woman to the moon and not be able to invent a silent leaf blower? Okay, super obscure, weird, probably just a random post. Although most of his posts before that seem like 
somebody else is doing them. Like they're all not off the cuff, weird things like that. Um, anyways, he posts himself what looks like picking up leaves. The next post says, here is me and my father, John, both holding a beverage. Okay. Super tragic to see his dad knowing what just occurred. Anyways, the next one says, no need to worry, everybody. I've got the streets tonight. This was October 17th with the Batman up on three different Batman, like this Batman background up on three different TVs, like one of the Batman movies. Why do you have three TVs in your room? Um, the next one says, sleep well, everybody. I've got the city tonight. Matman. And it's a post of the Batman symbol. The next one is says WTF with a picture that says Batman plays pickleball. Hmm. Oh, and here's the cranberry one. It's literally just a video of him dropping three cranberries on a table and said, this is what I've had to eat today. I'm Matman. Huh. Interesting. And a week ago, somebody says, is his account hacked? Something feels off. Whoa. His next post after that, being October 22nd, was a Batman carved pumpkin, which said, do you know what I mean? And again, if you go into the comments of this, a week ago, said, do you want us to send help? Is this your signal? Somebody else said, so Matt, you do know there are a few of us who are a little concerned about you right now. I am hoping you're just having a little silly fun and you're hinting at a new project. Your fans adore you and want you to be happy and healthy. Please take care of yourself. Thanks. The next person said, what's with the Batman obsession? Is nobody going to talk about Bruce Wayne faking his death to live a peaceful life? Somebody said that two days ago, so after he died. Um, somebody else said, he said in his book, the day he needs help, he will send a bat signal. And no one was listening. Wow. A week ago, you're trying to tell us something. Hmm. A week ago, I feel like you were trying to tell us something. A week ago. Is this some kind of hint? Wow. A week ago. SOS? Question mark. Wow. This is super weird. All right, so somebody posted on that and said, if anybody is confused, here's a little information about the conspiracy theories we have. If you have read his book, you may have remembered that he wrote, if I need help, I'll put a Batman symbol or something similar. His last posts, week before his deaths, yesterday, were all Batman posts. He even posted a picture of his on his jacuzzi with a red Batman logo on it. We think that Matthew was signaling for help. He was warning us about what was going to happen. His last posts were on Instagram were a picture of him in his jacuzzi. 
If you don't know, Matthew allegedly died in his jacuzzi. Investigators believe it was a drowning because he didn't find any intoxication in his body. There is a lot of more investigation going on, so we will just have to wait. He was struggling. He needed help. He's in a beautiful place now where he doesn't have to hurt anymore. May his beautiful soul rest in peace. Hmm. Okay. I'm convinced that this was not just the weird suicide that everybody was talking about after reading all of that. This is crazy. So Matthew Perry seemingly was calling for help a week before his death, before his alleged suicide, with the very same messaging that he said that he would give if he needed help. And maybe that means I need help because I'm dealing with mental health issues. Maybe that means I need help because, I don't know, some obscure entity is coming after me and wants me dead. Maybe it's, I don't know. And maybe the, the former seems much more likely than the latter, obviously. But what a tragedy, right? And so you go into the last post or last two posts. The second last post says, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I'm Matt Man. A week ago, are you okay? Should we send for help? A week ago, are you trying to give us a hint or something? A week ago, I hope you are doing well. I've always absolutely adored you and saw you, your struggles, and sometimes your sadness. I love your laughter, and I'm always rooting for you. I know you won't see this, but I see you and hope you are happy and living a beautiful life. <clears throat> wow. Somebody else said, I can see the signs six days ago. Somebody else said, I've listened to your podcast so many times to know that this is a subliminal message. Keep up the good fight, bro. Wow. So there was so much, so much leading up to the death of Matthew Perry that it's pretty crazy that nobody... And a ton of the commenters did say that, like, we see this, like, we, we know that this is an issue. We know that you've said this before. We, we see you and we're, we love you. We're here for you. Like somebody said, don't relapse. Somebody else said the man was sacrificed by the elite. Although many people think this is a lie. It is reality. He already knew what was going to happen to him. Wow. This is probably one of the craziest conspiracy theories that I've seen play out in real time ever. Like this, Matthew Perry died in like the single most horrific ways. In his very last Instagram post, he posted from the hot tub that he died in and said, oh, so warm. Water swirling all around you makes you feel good, question mark. I'm Matt Man. Damn. Wow. I'm trying to see if there's any posts here like the other ones, but man, 
That's got to be just one of the craziest. Wow. Whew, man, that's a rough one, right? And so <clears throat> there, it says there are only two options here. Yes, he could have been trying to hint at a new appearance in an upcoming Batman movie, or it was something else, something that may have gone right over the heads of those who needed to interpret it. My theory is that in the last few days, this says, Matthew has been calling for help in a subtle way that hopefully his friends and family would have caught on to. Unfortunately, he dies a week later. It's worth mentioning that in one of the comments, the last chapter of his recent book is titled Batman. This seems to be adding up all too well. Wow. So, he also commented on one of his posts, rest easy, I'm on a tall building. Hmm. Somebody else said planned suicide. That's fair, right? Um, somebody else says, my best guess, based off of nothing but pure speculation and the background in behavioral health, Matthew was going through a manic phase, which led to an increase in social media posts. This mania may have caused him to relapse on substances, which hot water and drugs is a very dangerous combo. It also says from another person that read to understand the last chapter of Matt's incredibly personal book is called Batman. It had his life photos in it. It's the most essential chapter regarding his life. Batman is repeated multiple times in his book as is pickleball because he started that sport after he almost died from opiate use. He says something along the lines of when things are bad and you can't find yourself, just ask, what would Batman do? Batman also is a single man with no children, which Matthew spoke about a lot in a matter that resembles depression type speaking. I think he relapsed and started posting weird from the day he says he's having a drink with his father. As in the book, he also speaks on his father in an incredibly emotional way. Hmm. Very interesting. Somebody else said, who took that last pic of him? He's pretty far from the camera. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, <clears throat> it also said, I'm not sure if it was a cry for help. He signs off Batman as in Batman as in he is the Batman. Batman's whole theme is justice over vengeance. He fights crime to ensure no one would suffer like he did. What's that all about? The last picture is all is also pretty much an almost literal foreshadowing of his own death, as if it was planned exactly like that. Feels a little bit sacrificial, like he needed to die to protect something. Mm, that seems like a stretch. All right. Terrible, horrible. My heart goes out to the family, the loved ones, the friends. You know, no pun intended, uh, but pretty wild conspiracy theory because I don't think I've seen one happen like see that play out like that in a long time. And again, maybe it's just foreshadowing his own death and maybe it was a planned suicide. And that probably makes the most sense. But even so, su such a such a tragedy. All right, we're going to switch gears now um, and go into some of the Palestine uh, 
situation with Israel. But first, what I need you to do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I told you already, if you didn't leave a review, all you got to do is leave a review. And then when I bring it up in the middle of the episode, you don't have to go, oh my gosh, he already mentioned this and I haven't done it yet. And now you have that little feeling in the stomach that just makes you feel like, ah, man, I should have done that already. And now I don't feel good. But you can feel good right now. I'm giving you the opportunity. I forgive you. All you got to do is hit that subscribe button and leave a five-star review. All right. Then next time we're sitting here talking and you're going to be like uh, hearing me talk about five-star reviews and you're just every time from then on, you're going to get a dopamine hit because you're like, yeah, bitch, I already did that. So go ahead and do it right now. Then you'll feel good every single time from here on out, knowing that you left a five-star review. All right. That's what I got. Let's jump back into it. The very first thing that we're going to discuss today is some of the remarks that came from Benjamin Netanyahu as he delivered his remarks in Tel Aviv on 10-30-2023, which is today. All right, so here it was his statement, some of which I was highly concerned about. I'm not sure we'll get to all of them, but I'm going to start this uh, as he speaks in English for some of it and then transfers over. So let's listen to it right now. And if you are on YouTube, you'll be able to follow along because I just pulled up with you and you can watch it along with me. If you are listening on the podcast, great. I appreciate you. But also you can watch it. You can see my beautiful face. You can watch my crazy expressions. You can see it all. Just join the YouTube and subscribe there as well. All right. The Adams Archive. Here we go. Here is the clip. would enable us to move beyond the... Until recently, many believed that the promise of progress in the 21st century would enable us to move beyond the barbaric horrors of the past towards a better and brilliant future. Many believed that we could go about our comfortable lives and that evil will simply pass us by. It will not. The horrors that Hamas perpetrated on October 7th remind us that we will not realize the promise of a better future unless we, the civilized world, are willing to fight the barbarians. Because the barbarians are willing to fight us. And their goal is clear. Shatter that promising future. Destroy all that we cherish and usher in a world of fear and darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a turning point, a turning point for leaders and nations. It is time for all of us to decide if we are willing to fight for a future of hope and promise or surrender to tyranny and terror. Now rest assured, Israel will fight. Since October 7th, Israel has been at war. Israel did not start this war. Israel did not want this war. But Israel will win this war. Hamas launched this war by perpetrating the worst savagery our people have seen since the Holocaust. Hamas murdered children in front of their parents, murdered parents in front of their children. They burned people alive. They raped women. They beheaded men. 
They tortured Holocaust survivors. They kidnapped babies. They committed the most horrific crimes imaginable. Now, I one thing I'd like to point out, and this doesn't take away from and detract from anything that he just said that was horrible. Obviously, everything you just talked about was horrible. But something that was the most egregious act that every single person was unbelievably disgusted by in this war was the idea that there was, and it hurts just to say the words, but there was the idea that there was 40 or whatever, there was 44 or whatever number they threw out. It was something like that, 44 babies that were beheaded. He specifically just used the word beheaded, but did not say babies. If there was babies that were beheaded, and again, I just, ugh, like, oh, it crushes my soul to even have those words around each other. But if that was the case, don't you think he would have just said it? Like all the propaganda that we're seeing come out about this and like all the emotional strings that they're trying to pull with this propaganda, like if that was the case, he absolutely 100% would have just stated that that was a fact, but he didn't. You want to know why? Because it's unfounded claims, something that they cannot validate, something without the ability. And he hasn't the whole time because he knew that it wasn't something that was founded in fact. It wasn't something that they could come out and say to be true because, and again, from my standpoint and from every the, the standpoint of the, the, you know, the same uh, news organizations who called it wrong on that hospital in Gaza called it wrong on this, right? If that was the case, they he would have absolutely 100% said it because it's true and they know and it's one of the most egregious things that they could point to and say, they did that to our people and here's why you should support us. But it can't do that because it was not factual. And again, that's not to support Hamas. It's just saying that that wasn't the truth, and that was propaganda. And you need to know, to know when you're looking at anything in this war that there's such a, such a fog around every single statement that made. is like It's either big enough to make headlines and you find out it wasn't true 48 hours later, or it's not big enough to make the largest of headlines and nobody remembers it the next day. Like That's just how it generally has played out, right? But the 7,000 people, and we'll get to that in a minute, 7,400 or so people that it, that Palestine has said, including women and children and everything, like all of this is just horrible, right? So when he's sitting here saying, oh, we're the good guys, and like he'll get to that biblical conversation here in just a second where he says, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys and there's right and there's wrong and we're the good ones who get to murder in the name of rightness, righteousness and and they're the bad people who murder in the name of you know badness it's like anytime somebody tries to sell you the idea of good versus bad without a nuanced conversation between what went wrong between the two groups like yeah there's inherently bad people for sure and we know that but very much more often than not it's a much more deep conversation to be had. And maybe that's not something as a culture that we've been ready to discuss for a very long time. There's always been good guys and there's always been bad guys, right? But in the in this case, it's like, yeah, you're bombing children and women too. If you go look at some of the footage that is coming out, 
It's not like, and, and the only reason that I have to say this is because the, the propaganda machine is propping up Israel unbelievably, right? Like if they were saying, oh, Hamas did it all right. Hamas is the good guys. Hamas this, Hamas that, like support Hamas. Like I would be condemning them consistently too. And I do condemn the acts that they've taken, but they're not the ones in the mainstream media that they're propping up with, you know, this type of propaganda campaign. So I, it it's, goes without saying that what they're doing is wrong, right? And what, what Israel is doing is wrong is being sugarcoated as fucking unicorn f farts. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, I know we did that wrong thing, but everything that we do is in the name of righteousness. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. You're bombing children and, and actually... Like they have called to bomb hospitals at certain points or like, oh, they're hiding their stuff in hospitals. If you don't evacuate, we will bomb you. It's like, OK, no, that's not how the Geneva Convention works. You don't just get to bomb whoever you want, whenever you want, because there's allegedly weapons or people within there that are persons of interest. You just can't do that. I want you to find any single situation where the U.S. bombed a mosque or bombed a hospital or bombed an elementary school. You can't find it because we follow the Geneva Convention, right? But Israel is not doing that. So let's continue listening to what he has to say. And they're part of the axis of evil that Iran has formed, an axis of terror that works by arming, training, and financing Hamas in Gaza. All right, now listen to this. I'll go back a minute just so you can hear that from the very beginning. But we talked about this with Iran, right? When, when we bomb Iran-backed groups... We're not bombing Iran-backed groups. We're sending a message to Iran, right? We didn't bomb Hamas because that would have caused this just crazy domino effect of large superpowers coming in. But what we did do was a strategic message to Iran saying, stop it, right? Even the, the, the message from Kamala Harris to Palestine and Hamas, she literally gets on the camera and goes, don't. What is they they asked her in an interview, and I should pull it up here, but um, I did I didn't have it ready to go. But it says they asked they asked Kamala Harris, "What is your message to Hamas and to?" Or I'm sorry, they asked Kamala Harris, "What is your message to Iran?" And she said, "Don't." That was her message because they know the likelihood of them retaliating against us when we do offensive attacks against their backed militias is high because they know the message that they just sent to Iran. So they look back at Iran and go, you better not jump in. Well, I beat the shit out of your friend here. You better not jump in because if you do, then we're going to war too. Don't. Right? So Kamala Harris sent a clear message to Iran. This is nothing but a message to Iran. This was not a message to whatever obscure terrorist organization that sent a drone to our our military uh, uh, operating bases and, and hurt 24 people. And I say hurt because they were at work the next three days after. And, and the only person who really got hurt had a, a, a heart issue that likely stemmed from some sort of vaccine and not the drone attacks, that drone attacks don't cause heart attacks. Right. So it's like, I want you to pay attention to his next statement, which is a statement to Iran. Just as 
the question to Kamala Harris is not what is your statement to these militias? It was what is your statement to Iran? Right? Just as we talked about. Here we go. And they're part of the axis of evil that Iran has formed, an axis of terror that works by arming, training, and financing Hamas in Gaza, Hezbollah in Lebanon, the Houthis in Yemen, and other terror proxies throughout the Middle East and beyond the Middle East. In fighting Hamas and the Iranian axis of terror, Israel is fighting the enemies of civilization itself. Victory over these enemies begins with moral clarity. It begins with knowing the difference between good and evil, between right and wrong. There you have it. It means making a moral distinction between the deliberate murder of the innocent and the unintentional casualties that accompany every legitimate war, even the most just war. So there you have it. He just said the intentional deaths of, what did he say? Let's just go listen to his own words. Netanyahu just said the thing out loud that when they kill civilians, they're the bad people. But when we do it, it's just a casualty of war. Don't blame us. Blame them. Company every year of the end. Here you go. Making a moral distinction between the deliberate murder of the innocent and the unintentional casualties that accompany every legitimate war, even the most just war. It means holding Hamas responsible. They are trying to gaslight us into thinking that civilian casualties, the death of women and children, should be normalized in the name of what's right and what's wrong. When they kill, when 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 they kill women and children, they're the bad people. But when we do it, it's just a casualty of war. Don't mind us. Definitely don't condemn us. We're the good guys. Guess what? Good guys don't kill women and children. Good guys don't level entire cities. Good guys don't don't destroy entire entire cities filled with non-violent individuals. Right? When they do it, they're the bad guys. You know, people make a moral distinction between when they deliberately target civilians and when we deliberately target civilians and also maybe kill some bad guys, quote unquote. Jeez. And the unintentional casual. I'm just going to play that for you one more time. Between we'll right and wrong. It means making a moral distinction between the deliberate murder of the innocent and the unintentional casualties that accompany every legitimate war, even the most just war. It means holding Hamas responsible for the double Gross. war crime it commits every day by deliberately targeting Israeli civilians while deliberately using Palestinian civilians as human shields. It means making clear that the use of human shields is not only an immoral tactic of terror, but also an ineffective one. Because as long as Hamas's use of Palestinian human shields result in the international community blaming Israel, Hamas will continue to use it as a tool of terror, and so will others. So when they use their human shields and we shoot women and children, whether you saw it or didn't see it, right? It's like that, that's something I remember about the Iraq war and the war in Afghanistan and ISIS. And like there was always the human shield element, 
right? Like how many instances were people actually using human shields? We don't know. It's just a narrative. It's just something that's spoken that goes, they're the bad guys and we're the good guys and they use human shields and we don't. And when they target women and children, they're doing it for bad reasons. And when we do it, we're doing it for good reasons. Uh, I just, anybody who's on this train of Israel is just so baffling to me. And I'm not on the train of anybody. By the way, I'll keep reiterating that. There's no good train here, guys. It's all bad. It's all bad. Now, whether or not the acts on October 7th, right, they're trying to make into their 9-11, whether or not that, which is the, the EDM concert that, um, the uh, the Hamas state or the the terrorists went into and killed all those people. Whether that that was, you know, there's still questions around that because there's people who say that they knew. There's questions about people who said that they were informed about this just weeks ahead of time, days ahead of time, consistently over and over again by Egyptian intelligence officers. So it's like, okay. But maybe they were just waiting for a reason. And who's to say they didn't let this happen? And who's to say they didn't make it happen? In order to conduct this attack on Gaza and retake over this land for this holy war, quote unquote, that they said they've deserved for thousands of years. Hamas will continue to use the basements in Gaza's hospitals as the command posts of its vast terror tunnel network. It will continue to use mosques as fortified military positions and weapon depots. It will continue to steal fuel and humanitarian assistance from UN facilities. While Israel is doing everything to get Palestinians, civilians, out of harm's way, Hamas is doing everything to keep Palestinian civilians in harm's way. Israel urges Palestinian civilians to leave the areas of armed conflict, while Hamas prevents those civilians from leaving those areas at gunpoint. Hamas is also preventing foreign nationals from leaving Gaza altogether. And most despicably, Hamas is holding over 200 Israeli hostages, including 33 children, holding them, terrorizing them, keeping them as hostages. Every civilized nation should stand with Israel in demanding that these hostages be freed immediately and freed unconditionally. I want to make clear Israel's position regarding a ceasefire. Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire after the bombing of Pearl Harbor or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas after the horrific attacks of October 7th. Calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism, to surrender to barbarism. That will not happen. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that there is a time for peace and a time for war. This is a time for war, a war for our common future. Today we draw a line between the forces of civilization and the forces of barbarism. It is a time for everyone to decide where they stand. Israel will stand against the forces of barbarism until victory. I hope and pray that civilized nations everywhere will back this fight. Because Israel's fight is your fight. Because if Hamas and Iran's axis of evil win, you will be their next target. That's why Israel's victory 
will be your victory. But make no mistake, regardless of who stands with Israel, Israel will fight until this battle is won, and Israel will prevail. May God bless Israel, and may God bless all those who stand with Israel. No, thank you, sir. Let's go back and listen to a couple of those closing statements, which is that our fight is your fight. Regardless of who stands with Israel, Israel will fight until this battle is won. Iran's axis of evil win, you will be their next target. We'll back this fight. Because Israel's fight is your fight. Because if Hamas and Iran's axis of evil win, you will be their next target. Excuse me, sir. Israel's fight is not my fight. Israel's fight is not my children's fight. Israel's fight is not my friend's fight. Israel's fight is Israel's fight. Israel is 7,000 miles away from the United States. Israel is its own nation with its own capable military, with the most advanced the most advanced, one of the most advanced militaries and intelligence organizations in the world. Why in the hell would you need my money or my son's blood or my blood? I'm fighting age still. No, thank you. I'm not fighting your war. Send your son. Oh, but wait, you won't send your son. Your son's sitting at a beach in Miami because of the 350,000 reservists that you just recalled of the men across the globe that are from Israel. You forgot your own son, the coward sitting here in the United States today who won't go and fight your war for you just as much as you don't believe it, he doesn't believe it. Because if you were going to believe in this war, if you were going to truly believe in this fight, go send your son to do it. You're not going to send mine. You're not going to send me. Especially if you're not going to send your own son. And that's a fact. Let's pull this up here. Which is the fact that during the same exact time that he's talking about this here, during the same exact time, Time here, which is an article from the Daily Mail, states, Where is Netanyahu's son? Israeli soldiers blast Benjamin Netanyahu's son, Yair, 32, for abandoning them by staying in Miami, while 360,000 reservists are called up to fight against Hamas. But you tell me, you tell my family members, you tell my friends that your war is our war. And that we should go fight it for you. But you won't send your own son. That's disgusting. You believe in your war? Send your son. Send yourself. Don't send mine. Don't spend my tax dollars. Don't spend my son's blood. Don't send, spend my blood on your war. You you decided to engage in this conflict. You, of 140 countries, decided that a ceasefire wasn't worth it. So why would I send my son? Why would I send myself 
to a war that you're not even willing to sacrifice. You're not even willing to send your own son to fight. Here's what the article says. The son of Israel's prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has been blasted for staying in Miami while reservists returned home to fight Hamas. Yair Netanyahu, 32 years old, has been in Florida since last April after his father told him to stop making inflammatory posts on social media, which saw him sued for defamation multiple times. Meanwhile, an unprecedented 360,000 reservists have been called up, many of them dropping everything to fly back to Israel, even abandoning honeymoons. And there's some links on there. But Yair has remained in Miami. To the irritation of many troops, Yair is enjoying his life at Miami Beach while I'm on the front lines, one soldier, a volunteer, serving on Israel's, Israel's northern front, told the Times. It's us who are leaving our work, our families, our kids, to protect our families back home in the country, not the people who are responsible for the situation. Our brothers, our fathers, sons are all going to the front line, but Yair is still not here. It does not help build trust in the leadership of this country. Hmm. Wow. And here's the picture of Netanyahu and his son. Another deployed to the border of Gaza said, I've flown back from the States where I have a job, a life, a family. There is no way I can stay there and abandon my country, my people, at its critical time. Where is the prime minister's son? Why isn't he in Israel? It is the most uniting moment for us as Israelis in our recent history, and every single one of us should be here right now, including the prime minister's son. Yair, who studied theater in high school, undertook compulsory, compulsory military service and worked in the spokesman's unit of the IDF rather than as a combat soldier. Military service is compulsory for the majority of Israelis when they turn 18. Men have to serve 32 months and women 24. After this, most of them can be called up to reserve units until the age of 40 or even older in case of a national emergency, and they fight alongside the regular troops in times of war. Reservists are also used in non-combat roles, meaning that Yair's lack of frontline experience would not automatically exempt him. Israelis ab uh, abroad after using WhatsApp chats to organize their return, sharing information on where to find available flights, said Yadida, Yadidya Shalman, 26, who was in Thailand on his honeymoon after the violence exploded out of uh, Gaza. Um, we set up WhatsApp groups almost everywhere in the world. We called people to join them, and we slowly working to bring as many reservists as possible back to Israel, he told Reuters, explaining he and his wife did not hesitate to curtail their holiday. Of course, we didn't think twice and are currently on our way home on an Al, Al plane, he said on WhatsApp. Yair Netanyahu is pictured in New York City in a photo posted October 2022. Wow. Very interesting. And here he is in a picture with Bill Clinton. Yair and his brother of Avner are pictured with their mother, Sarah, and Bill Clinton in the White House. Watch out, children. That man's dangerous. <laughs> Not who you want your child to be around. Um, wow. 
Crazy. Yeah. Where's your son, Netanyahu? Because he's not fighting in the war. He's in Miami, snorting coke, probably, like Joe Biden's son, and messing around with strippers, probably. Wow. Oren Saar, 37, runs a food startup in Woodspin in New York City, where he lives with his wife and three young boys. A former captain of the Israeli army, he immediately acknowledged the call-up, but didn't tell his children what he was doing. The kids are very young, and it's not something that you want to explain. We told them I'm going to on a business trip to Israel, and that it was going to be tricky to keep his new business going in his absence. But you know, there's just no question about what to do when my friends, my family, and my country are at risk. And that's what you would think you would do. If the words that came out of Netanyahu's mouth were true, but they're not. So wild. Hmm. Just reading through this. Uh, it says, on October 5th, two days before the Hamas terror attack, it emerged that he, Yair was wanting to stay in the United States permanently. Yair was overheard at the wedding in London over the summer, worrying about uh, that he would be turned away by the U.S. authorities because the Biden administration was frosty towards Netanyahu. An American immigration law firm, Wilds and Weinberg, then announced on Facebook that the newly minted offices in Tel Aviv, Yair joins our list of distinguished clients from Israel. Hmm. Very interesting. He has been carving out a name for himself as a right-wing podcast host and media figure and has regularly shared controversial memes and posts resulting in several defamation cases over the year. Yair, where you at, boy? Let's see you. Yair Netanyahu. His most recent post... It's got 110,000 followers. It's about as much, almost as I have if you combine my accounts on two of them on Instagram. Uh, so not that big. Let's see. Let's start looking through some of his stuff. Wow. I'm sure how many followers he got over the last, uh, you know, few days, few weeks. Sitting here in Miami with his poodle, you little. Wow. So crazy. He posted the Israel flag on October 11th. Saying we are united, we have revenge, we will have revenge, we are going to win. Then posted a link to donate. I don't speak Hebrew, so I don't think that'll help, but Hello, friends. Please stay with us. We're going to be in English in a minute. Shalom, 
הרב, אתה יכול לספר לנו בכמה מילים על עכשיו לתרומה לעמותה, לעזרה, Yeah, maybe, Bud, you should go back to Israel and fight this war. There's another one. Please tell us about your NGO and what you're doing in these days vis-a-vis the families of the victims. Flying them it. So he doesn't say shit himself. That's all he's got, huh? Nothing. I stand with Palestine equals I stand with ISIS. I stand with Al-Qaeda. I stand with the Third Reich. It's amazing how many times the Holocaust is being brought up in this. Like, we've talked about, you know, the Holocaust. You're a Nazi being brought up in the United States so many times over the last, I don't know, few years, like two, three years, that it's just so ridiculous that the comparison's even being made. Now, to be fair, this is probably closer than what those were. You know, like the Proud Boys are not the Nazis. Hamas eh, probably isn't the Nazis, right? Like there's no there's no way that they're going to, you know, it just seems it seems to undermine the idea and, and seems to devalue the true horror that was the Holocaust, right? When you get into like Holocaust deniers and all this shit, like. The Holocaust was absolutely the one of, if not the most horrific acts of man ever. And by you sitting here and saying that the Holocaust is basically these guys who flew in and killed 200 or so people in one day, it's like, no, it was 6 million Jewish people killed specifically for their religion, right? So it's like, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. It being a valuable comparison. And I think it's almost, it's pretty gross. And and I guess it's a little bit less gross when it's being used in this context because it's actually against Jewish people. Um, 
but I don't think it's against Jewish people in the same way that the the Holocaust was, where it was like specifically religious and like long. It, it, this seems to be more so a attack on the standing nation, not on the religion, right? And you have to make that distinguish with Judaism. It's like, yes, it's a nation state, but it's also a religion where like there's almost way more gatekeeping in Judaism and Jewish cultures than there is in like almost anything else where they believe anybody outside of the Jewish culture, literally this is from my understanding, speaking with Jewish friends of mine that I do jujitsu with and like have had longstanding conversations with. And some of the research that I've done is like, they believe that people who are non-Jewish, like you're not allowed to go be a part of a legitimate Jewish organization unless you have the blood of a mother who was Jewish Right. That's the way it works. Your father's Jewish. Cool. We don't, you're not invited to the club, right? Like it's a specific blood right to be able to be allowed within the Jewish culture. It's pretty wild stuff. Like, and then you get into some of like the Jewish uh, mysticism and the, uh, you know, it, it gets pretty crazy. Right. And that's where some of the other things come in with like, you know, we won't get into that in this context, but it, it gets pretty wild. Right. So, Anyways, I, I just think that it's a gross comparison. Um, so there's Netanyahu's post, and, and there's a little bit of history on his son, which is obviously should probably be in Israel right now, not in Miami. Where you at, dude? Anyways, now this brings us to the UN General Assembly, which in this UN Assembly, there was a call for a humanitarian truce, a ceasefire. And in fact, there was a vote in the UN on a ceasefire. And there was 120 people in favor of this ceasefire, in favor of this truth, truce. And there was only 14 countries who opposed it. Do you want to know which one of the countries out of almost 160 or so countries opposed a ceasefire, opposed a truce in Palestine, in Gaza, with Israel? The United States was one of those countries, one of the 14 countries who opposed a ceasefire and a truce. Why do you think that is? Maybe because all of the military-industrial complex representatives that are funding all of these wars are potentially in the United States? Hmm. Maybe. There's a picture here showing the countries that did and the countries that didn't. And let's let's see if we can get a little uh, closer to this here and see who those countries were. So here are the countries that voted no. The first country of the over 160 countries that voted no was Austria, Australia. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see if we can get a... Okay, so that's an abstinence, right? An abstent, abstentation, abstention. So the against was not Australia. It was Austria. Austria decided they didn't want a ceasefire. Fiji decided 
They didn't want a ceasefire. Croatia, Chechnya, Guatemala, Hungary, Nauru, Micronesia, Marshall Island, Papua New Guinea, Paraguay, Tonga, and the United States of America. So of the 14 countries that said no to this truce, to this ceasefire at the UN Assembly, only maybe two of them you've ever really heard about or cared about, which is, I don't know how much you care about Chechnya, Hungary, Croatia, Guatemala, or Paraguay, but United States of America was the single only powerful country that decided that they shouldn't have a ceasefire or a, a truce during this UN assembly. How disgusting is that? Right? Doesn't that raise a little bit of red flags in your brain? The fact that we are one of only one real country that is saying, eh, maybe we don't want them to stop this war. Well, why do you think that is? Maybe because it's profitable. Maybe because it's profitable. And then you look for some of the, you know, U.S.-backed uh, countries and, and see, like, who only abstained from this because the United States was a part of the group that said no, including Ukraine, the U.K., Sweden, Serbia, the Philippines, Romania, Monica, Monaco, not Monica, not that, uh, I'm like Monica, Andrea, Turner, and Rita, and as I continue, it's only getting sweeter, uh, Italy, Iraq, India, Iceland, Haiti, Greece, Germany, Georgia, Finland, Canada, so all of the countries that didn't want to take a strong stance said they abstained from answering it, but only 14 countries said they were against it, and only one of them truly mattered, which was the United States of America. And that should tell you everything you need to know about this, right? You are not the majority. Even if you're in the United States and even if you're on the side of Israel, you are not the majority. Nobody in this world agrees with you, right? Unless you're talking about Tungay or Urguana or some shit, whatever that, whatever that was, right? So then you get into... What's going on in, in Israel and Gaza right now, which is the fact that Gaza suffered a near total information blackout, which means they cut all of the lines for Wi-Fi. They cut all of their internet access. They called all of their network communications, telecommunications providers, complete severance from all communications and internet services, which is interesting because why would you cut the internet service? Why would you cut the communication with the external world unless you were planning on doing something that justified you not allowing them to share your actions for, right? Like why, why would you want to eliminate their ability to communicate with the world unless it had to do with something that you were going to do to them that you didn't want them sharing, right? And that's exactly what we saw here in Israel doing to Palestine is they cut off complete access to internet services, all cell phone services, all internet stopped completely in Gaza after Israel expands its military operation against Hamas. Well, it's not against Hamas then, it's against Palestine. 
right? Disgusting, right? And then and then Elon Musk doing what Elon Musk does, put up Starlink as soon as they did this. But guess what then? Israel threatened to destroy Musk's Starlink over Gaza because nobody shouldn't have access to the internet, especially if you're bombing them. Right? It says Israeli communications minister Shlomo Kari has vowed that Israel will use all means at its disposal to fight. SpaceX CEO Elon Musk's planned provision of Starlink internet access to Gaza. Hamas will use it if will use it for terrorist activities, Kari claimed. Adding that there is no doubt about it, we know it and Musk knows it. In response, the tech billionaire said he is not so naive, explaining that he has proposed scheme would work while promising to do a security check with both the U.S. and Israeli governments before turning on even a single terminal. Per my post, no Starlink terminal has attempted to connect from Gaza. If one does, we will make extraordinary measures to confirm it is only used for pur purely humanitarian reasons. Earlier on Saturday, Musk said that he would open the Starlink satellite network to internationally recognized aid organizations working in Gaza after a wave of Israeli airstrikes severed the enclave's last phone and internet connections to the outside world. Internet and cell phone services stopped working in Gaza on Friday night after a wave of Israeli airstrikes. The outages left news organizations and aid groups unable to reach their workers, with the UN's Children's Agency and the World Health Organization, Doctors Without Borders, Red Cross, and Red Crescent all reporting no contact from their employees. Um, Arabic, uh, RT Arabic has also temporarily unable to contact its correspondents and photographers in Gaza. Musk's plans would mark the second time that he has deployed Starlink to a combat zone. Shortly after the start of Russia's military operation in Ukraine, the tech tycoon supplied Kiev with Starlink terminals. However, he fell out of favor when he barred the Ukrainian military from using the network to guide drone strikes on Russia Russian ships in the Black Sea. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Hmm. Pretty crazy. So there you have it. And there's the hockey situation again popping up here. Media defends hockey throat slasher who killed opponent in freak accident. Yeah, not throat slasher. Like, get out of here. It's so crazy. Anyways, all right, that's what I got for you guys. That is your update. And until next time, I hope you have a great week. I love you. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Head over to the Instagram, the Austin J Adams. Head over to the Substack, austinadams.substack.com. Um, leave a five star review. Subscribe. Make sure you get this shit every single week. I appreciate you, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much, and. See you next time. Adam's Archive.